0: Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Adam Tarnow, joined as always by Todd Wagner. Hello, Adam. Hello, friends. All right, Todd, question today is this. Does Acts 2.42 through 47 teach socialism? No, it doesn't, (laughs) but it sure looks like it. Yeah. Right? It looks like it teaches almost communism because it uses the actual words. They had all things in common, Mm. right? Which is where the phrase communism finds its root. So some people may not be familiar with Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. What it really is, is a description of the very first gathering of believers who understood what the finished work of Christ had accomplished. Okay, that Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came to earth to uh, call men to repent of their own self-righteousness and to understand that a holy God could never be appeased except to a perfect and complete obedience to his will and way which of course none of us would do right right? and could do and and so Christ said but I'm the way the truth and the life and I'm going to provide for you Um, that means to be reconciled to God God loves you he's not mad at you but he is uh, bothered by sin and that's in all of you it's part of the human condition we're all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve and as a result of that the way that we operate is broken and people suffer. And so God says, I love people, so I'm going to make provision for their sin and I'm going to teach them a new kingdom ethic. And so what you have in Acts chapter 2 is the very first time a group of believers had been assembled together and were being led by the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, and were living with a kingdom ethic in their love for one another. And so there's Six things, really, that are listed in this little section of Scripture that they did. And I'll just kind of walk you through them. The first thing they did is they gave constant attention. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to um, fellowship of being together and to break bread, reminding themselves of who God was through his sacrificial provision and to prayer. And that then there was a sense of awe uh, at what God was doing in transforming human hearts. This is key okay, this wasn't being imposed on them, they were living with a kingdom ethic and they were proposing, hey, here's a better way for humans to relate, that people could be invited into and say, watch the way we love one another. We don't take advantage of one another, we're not enabling irresponsible behavior, but as we all live the way that God designed us to live initially, by his enabling, by the power of the Spirit of God that works within us, you're gonna see that um, this is a better way, right? Not imposed law, But people living with the love of Christ, that's where we're going to get. And specifically in verse 44, it says this. And it says, And all those who believed were together, and they held or had all things in common. Okay? Which means they just said, here's what we're going to share. We're going to share. We're going to be intent on one purpose. We're going to um, be mindful about uh, the sacrificial example of our Savior. And so what we're going to do is we are going to As any time we see somebody living a responsible life before Christ, this is what it says in verse, um, I guess, 45. They began selling their possessions. In other words, if I've got more and you have less, and I've got the means to care for you, I'm going to sell my possessions and share with you as you live a life of responsibility and submission to God. um, I'm going to help meet your needs. Okay. Paul writes about this himself a little bit later. And he just basically says, Hey, Adam, if I'm rich and you're poor, then I have an abundance of need to figure out what I'm supposed to do with this excess provision that God's given me. You've got abundance of need because you don't have provision. Well, guess what's gonna happen, okay? Through your rich need, my poverty of not knowing what to do is going to be met hmm. as I come alongside of you to the glory of God. That he who has too much won't have too much, and he who has too little won't have too little. But here's the key. That's done in the context of biblical community, which is what's going on in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is not an imposition. By a ruling elite, right, who limited human freedom and imposed some sort of oppressive law on people. This was in Acts two forty-two through forty-seven. A kingdom people living with a kingdom ethic, to the glory of their king, and following the sacrificial example of their leader. So, who was their leader? It was Jesus, who though he was rich for their sake, became poor, that through his poverty. They might become rich, but I want people to watch a few things here because this isn't communism and it's not socialism, all right, where human freedom is limited, okay, and government grows. The purpose of government, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, that we as believers are um, to be respectful of. The purpose of government is twofold, all right, uh, and that is to punish evildoers and to praise those who do right. By the way, our government does that. Uh, when you live with a kingdom ethic. Why? Well, because when I do things for the common good, this was the original reason that churches weren't taxed, because they did things for the common good. So when you were giving money to the church, you were giving money to an organization that biblically was supposed to care for others. So why tax an organization that does what the government will have to do if the church doesn't do what it should do? The fact that our government has to care for the poor and the widow and the orphan is really a judgment on the church, okay? Or maybe not. Maybe it's a judgment that there are certain people that are going to live irresponsible lives, okay? Not not victims of oppression or systematic injustice, but people who just don't want to work, right? I don't think we should just fund irresponsible lifestyle. That's not loving. I'm going to biblically show you that and prove it in just a second. But let's be really clear: socialism and communism does not let you do what the Bible says you should do. Which is to be a cheerful giver. Okay, um, we're to give not grudgingly or under compulsion. Socialism compels people, right, mm-hmm. to give. Communism demands people to give. What's really interesting is the ruling elite. They don't live like everybody else, mm. right? Because they're so smart, they've got to figure out how you're supposed to live, even while they don't live that way themselves. They live in comfort and they live uh, with power. Where if you lost, you've lost the power to do as you will. They impose. Mm their ideas on you, and it's dangerous. I mean, Margaret Thatcher, I think, is the one who said, um, socialism is a great idea, You know, it's a great way to live until you run out of other people's money, right? Now let me tell you what the Bible says about people who want something for nothing, all right? The Bible has a lot to say, by the way, and we're not dealing with this in this episode about uh, crony capitalism, right? Uh, Or people that uh, are abusive and greedy in the way they run their businesses. There's a lot of judgment coming for them. But here we're talking about, does Acts teach socialism or communism? Here's what I would tell you the Bible says about people who want something for nothing. This is in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I just want to read it to you. Paul says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of Jesus, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life, not according to the tradition which you've received from us. What was Paul's tradition? He's about to tell you. Uh, You yourself know how you ought to follow our example. This is the way I traditionally acted upon you. We did not act in an undisciplined manner. In other words, we didn't just live lives that weren't informed by a work ethic. He said we didn't eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Watch this not because we did not have the right to do this, he said as a minister of the gospel, who was doing the work of God, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. 4, verse 10. Even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Hmm. So what I would tell you and what the Bible goes on to say in fact is this. Hey, if somebody won't work in order that they can care for themselves, Okay. Again, this is people not people who are disabled or people who aren't unable because they have to be home caring for children, but it just says specifically, if you're living a godly disciplined life and you won't work, then we're going to let your stomach work for you. And your stomach's going to show you that's not a good way to live. Mm -hmm. And it's going to compel you to get after it. So the Bible has a lot to say about imposing and forcing people to be generous, a lot to say about people who have more than they need and aren't generous. And a lot to say about the failed ideas of socialism, communism. You cannot support communism socialism with Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, or frankly, from Genesis to Revelation. What you can support, all right, is generous, um, selfless, other centered living, okay? And when you see people living responsibly who maybe aren't as fortunate as you, okay, then you got to do everything you can. Uh, to be a blessing to them and lift them up so that God can be glorified. Such a good answer, Todd. Click on those show notes for some other helpful resources. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll talk to you again next week.